Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's such a joy and a privilege to be with you all. Um, I'm very, very excited to share a little bit um, and then hopefully to chat a little bit after. Um, this morning, I'll be looking at Psalm 23. I think a couple months ago, I think back when we were all so innocent and didn't know what we were getting in with this pandemic, um, I talked about how one of the things that God had been really using and working through and in me was looking at the prophets and looking at, you know, how whatever I thought the world was, they lived in a much difficult, more difficult time. And I think we specifically focus on Micah. Um, and I, I got a lot of peace from Micah, who was critiquing God's people. You know, Micah's writing and he says, man, you're supposed to be God's people, yet you're a country built on slavery. You're supposed to be God's people, yet you keep making the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You're supposed to be God's people, yet you keep supporting these leaders who aren't good. You know, they're not good for God. They're not good for the kingdom. They might be good for your bank account, but they're not good for anything else. Um, and then we focus on Micah 6, which is kind of the crux of the whole writing where he says, but he's shown all of us, you know, mortals, what is good, um, but to do justice, you know, as God sees justice, to love the way God loves and to live at peace and walk at peace with God, each other and creation. So the prophets really, really were a bomb in Gilead for me the last year. Um, the second bomb really, though, were the Psalms. And the Psalms are amazing. Um, there's nothing I felt that hasn't been felt more deeper than a psalmist. You know, whatever feelings you're going through, just read through the Psalms and I guarantee you'll find it there. Um, but the Psalms remind us that whatever we're feeling, God is big enough to hold it. God has seen it before and God's redeemed it before. And and so the Psalms then for me provided not just, you know, it's interesting that when we read the Psalms, we might know their songs, but they've really evolved into prayers for us or evolved into scripture for us. So this morning, we're going to look at probably, you know, I don't know who ranks these, but if I were to rank them, one of the most familiar Psalms ever, which is Psalm 23. Um, and as I went through the prophets, as I went through the Psalms, and as I read Psalms, not only in scripture, I realized that a lot of these Psalms are really prayers. So we're going to talk about prayer this morning by focusing on Psalm 23. Now, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Psalm 23. I'm just not sure how helpful that'll be for you because I'm actually going to be reading um, a translation that I did. Um, years ago when I was in seminary, I had to suffer through Hebrew, so... This is the fruit, you know, we suffered through Hebrew, so we're going to read it. So it might be a little bit different in your translation, but that's okay. I guarantee you mine's more right than the NIV. So there's at least that, you know, um, but in Psalm 23, it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He makes me lie down in grassy pastures. He guides me with care by care, completely restful waters. He restores my entire being. He guides me faithfully along the right paths because of who he is. Even when I walk in the darkest valley, I do not fear calamity, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness pursues me and chases me down until I'm captured all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord so long as I live. Amen. Let's just pray before we dive in. Our Father God, we thank you so much that you are indeed our shepherd, that you're the one who provides, protects, that you're the one who's always there for us. God, we thank you that as we look at this psalm, this song of David, we get your heart. 
as David reveals to us his personal relationship with you and the personal relationship we can have with you as well. So Lord, bless us now as we listen, bless us now as we share. Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you want us to hear and teach us and help us to live how you want us to live. Lord, in your name we pray, amen. The thing I love about Psalm 23 is that it's probably the most famous one. It's one that's been held on by Christians and Jewish people for thousands of years. I've seen it used at weddings and funerals. I've seen it in church services. I've seen it in um, services and synagogues. I've seen artists portray it. Um, in all sorts of different medium. Uh, my favorite is different musicians. You know, you can find pieces by Bach focusing on Psalm 23, but I also like that you can find pieces I'll call um, by Biggie um, also focusing on Psalm 23. So to say this is a versatile Psalm uh, would be an understatement, but I think the reason it's so versatile is because there's so much truth and goodness in here. And for many of us who maybe grew up in church, these are some of the first scriptures we recognize or, or memorize. Now, David writes this song, though, not because he says, you know, thousands of years later, Henry's going to preach the Terror Road Bible Chapel and it's going to be great. David writes this psalm because this is the God he knows. This is the God he knows personally. And this is the God that, that has revealed who God is to David. And in this psalm, you see David calls God by his personal name, Yahweh. Now, if to most of us, we're just like, well, that's not that big of a deal. Um, and I think the way I've grown in this is I realized, for example, if you call me Henry, I know that you've known me for at least 25 years. You know, to me, that means something. You know, if you call me Hank, I know you've only known me for like 15, 20 years, like college. Um, if you call me HB, I know you're my family. You know, if you call me Pastor Hank, I know one of us is in trouble. You know, so names do have a meaning. Names do have a purpose. And of all the names that David uses here, it's God's personal name to show the personal nature of their relationship. Now, whether you read the NIV, the New King James or the NASB or, or my translation, you also see that David uses a lot of personal pronouns here. This is I, me, my. David is talking about someone he knows intimately. And even that name Yahweh, it was beautiful because God gives that name to Israel with Moses. Moses had grown up in the palace. Moses had grown up um, a product of, you know, a, a society and a culture that was killing babies. And, and he's saved by these Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, who were, you know, I love this story in the Bible. Like no one taught me this in Sunday school, but Pharaoh, the most powerful person comes in and is just like, you need to kill these Hebrew babies. And their explanation before Pharaoh was just like, listen, Pharaoh, we were going to do what you said, but like, you know, them Hebrew women, the babies just came too fast, you know, and Pharaoh being a man and also dumb was just like, well, that makes sense to me, you know, um, and, and that's what they did to save these babies. But then you also have another set of women, Miriam and Jochebed, who saved baby Moses, not just by putting him in the little basket and putting him in the river, but Miriam was watching. And when, when the Pharaoh's daughter comes down and says, oh, look at this beautiful baby, maybe I'll take him back to the palace. Miriam, we don't know how old she is but she might be a teenager, looks Pharaoh's daughter in the eye and says, you know, what would be good? I should get you a nanny. In fact, I should get you a Hebrew nanny. They're the best, you know? And of all the Hebrew nannies to get, she gets her mother, who is Moses's mother. So even though he grows up in, in Egypt's palace under all this power, he still has this connection to his people. He has this connection to the, the history and this God who promised who he is. 
I think it's because of that connection that when he sees his people suffering, you know, he chooses violence, right? And he goes and he strikes down someone who is striking down an Israelite. And it's this reminder, even in the Old Testament to us, that God doesn't want us to fight battles. God doesn't want us to pick up guns or or weapons and to hurt each other. Like Jesus is serious when he says, love your enemies. And because of that, Moses is on the run. He's in exile. He's in the wilderness. He gets married. And he comes to a day where there's a bush that's burning, but not quite burning, right? And I love this story because it's just real. You know, he's just like, I should go see what that is because I don't know what's going on. And when he gets to the burning bush, God gives his name to Moses. God says, I am Yahweh. I'm the God who is, the God who was, and the God who will be. And here's the thing, Moses, I've heard your prayers, I've heard your cries, and I am going to be with you. And that's what Yahweh means. So when David uses this name, he's not just saying, oh, I know God and God's my friend. He's saying, this is the same God who spoke the world into existence. This is the same God who got us through the flood. This is the same God who called Abraham. This is the same God who came to Moses. This is the same God who got us out of Egypt. God is, God was, God will be. That's my God. So that's why it's important that he uses the name Yahweh. The other thing that I love about the song is God can use everything we know and everything we go through if we give it to him. David describes God three different ways in this psalm. He describes him as a shepherd. He describes him as a warrior. and He describes him as a king. Now, if you were to name three things that David was besides adulterer, you'd probably say shepherd, warrior, and king would be the three of them. And I think that's important because it's a reminder to us that If we give our lives to God and we give our struggles to God, we give everything we know to God, he will bless it. So David, who had been taking care of sheep and protecting them and providing them food and taking them to shelter and, and, and giving them, you know, grassy pastures, he sits back and he says, my goodness, when I think about God, he is my shepherd. David, who had been a warrior and slayed Goliath and helped expand this this, um, nation of Israel, when he thinks about everything, he says, man, God is my warrior who's on my side. And then the last one, David, who was king, and to this day, probably Israel's greatest king, when he looks at God, he says, wow, God is my king. This personal God is the one who was, is, will be, and the one who's with me now. This shepherd, this king, this warrior is the one on my side. So when David puts this song together, it's really both a testimony and a prayer. He talks about God's provision, saying, I will lack nothing. You know, we grew up, at least some of us grew up saying, I shall not want. And we struggled with that as kids because we're like, I want all the time. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I want all the time. But David says, there is nothing that I need that I will lack. This God who's on my side will provide my needs. This God who's on my side will give us peace. And I think this is especially important for us in 2021 because a lot of us are searching for peace and looking for peace. Yet David promises that if we trust God, God will refresh our entire being. God will give us peace. God the shepherd will protect us. God the king will guide us. God will be present where we're present. You know, one of the jobs for kings um, in in David's day and age were to collect taxes, you know, and and to, to look regal. 
and then to actually like clear the path, you know, because in, in, in the areas where they lived, you know, whether the trees fell down or brush, they didn't have, ro- I was going to say PennDOT, but you're in New Jersey. I don't know what you call it. We have PennDOT here and they don't really do a good job taking care of our roads, right? But that's what the kings were supposed to do was to take care of the roads so people can walk through on them and then to fight for them. So David takes all these things and he says, man, God is the one who's going to guide me and be present with me as I walk through the way. God is the one who's going to bless me. Even before my enemies, God is on my side. And then he ends with something I missed for years. You know, when we read, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We're grateful for it. We think that's awesome and that's wonderful. But I think we miss what David is saying. When we say surely goodness and mercy, the word for mercy is hesed in Hebrew. In the New Testament, it shows up as agape. David isn't just saying, oh, God, be merciful to me. David is saying, no, this God who's the warrior, who's the king, who's the shepherd, is the God who works for my good. This God is the one who will always do what's my good. This agape love, this hesed, is God who will always be on my side. God who will always take care of me. That's what will follow me. But remember, David is also a warrior. When we think about follow, we think about God's love as like a shadow. It's always there. God's going to wrap our arms around us. He's good. It's warm and bubbly. No, 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 no. David uses the Hebrew word radaf. Radaf means literally to chase you down until you're captured. So this love that God has for us isn't just this warm, fuzzy feeling, this shadow that's all around us. But David says, man, God is going to chase me down with his love until I am captured. And I take great peace in that, knowing that the God who always works for our good, that the God who's working right now, that the light that's already shining, that the God who's on our side is going to chase all of us down until we are captured by his love. The last thing and kind of where we want to end as we think about Psalm 23 going forward is I really feel like this Psalm teaches us how to pray. You know, my eyes were really open to that, um, to this about two and a half years ago. A couple falls ago, um, I got a text message from a friend from high school. And it's weird now to say like high school was 20 years ago. You know, that, that I... I, I went through the counseling. We dealt with that, you know, but that's a lot to deal with. Like high school was 20 years ago. We felt we fixed that, I think. But I, I got a text message from a friend who was going to Bogota, Colombia. And he was like, hey, you were just in Bogota. Like, tell me the fun stuff to do. And I remember texting my friend Takuma and I was just like, um, I took a bunch of teenagers, you know, to work in orphanages. Like, I'm not sure, like, if I'm your guy to, like, tell you the most fun things to do, you know? Um, And he goes, oh, okay, but you didn't do anything fun. I was like, yeah, but fun with teenagers might be a little bit different than what you're thinking of, you know? And we laughed about it. And I remember a week later, he posted a picture online about being sick, you know? Um, I remember like, yeah, man, you good? We're praying for you. Let me know if you need anything. Um, A couple of days go by. I get a text message and it was just like, Hank, um, Takuma passed away. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean he passed away? I, I was just texting him like three, four days ago. Um, it turns out he had a heart condition that was undiagnosed. Um, this is a, a friend of mine who had played Division I football. So somehow all the medical doctors had missed it. And, and in essence, he had a heart attack at 36, 37 years old and died while he was in Bogota. And as I'm researching and trying to get a hold of his family and all this stuff, I get another text message about another friend from high school. And this one um, I had known and kept in touch with as well for 20 years because we had um, been on the same wrestling team in high school and in college. 
Um, and he had gone into ministry. He got a, a PhD in patristics, which is like studying church fathers. This is what he did for fun, you know, um, like read the desert fathers and stuff. And I got a text message like, hey, did you hear about Tim? And I was just like, what do you mean? What is he like? Tacoma, Tacoma passed. And they're just like, no, 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 no. Tim just passed away today. So within the course of one afternoon, within the course of three, four hours, you can probably say the two people I actually kept in touch with the closest in high school, I found out that they both died at 36 and 38 years old. And I remember sitting there and feeling so helpless. I remember sitting there and feeling like, my goodness, like I just talked to both of them a week ago and now they're gone. And I, I came back to Psalm 23 because I realized that everything I was feeling, I can give to God. That this personal relationship that I have with God is not just about salvation. Yes, God has saved me, but God promises to be with us now. That God is saving us right now and that God will save us. And I realized that, you know, we need to be vulnerable when we come to God. And I'm sure I've prayed some vulnerable prayers before. You know, I actually have these benchmarks in my head when I was about. 13 years old, I got hit by a cop car and I was paralyzed for like 24 hours, couldn't move. And that's probably the greatest prayers I've ever prayed in my life because, you know, I walked after, you know, um, I remember sitting there thinking like my life is over. Um, I remember when our first daughter was born, you know, the doctors were a little concerned about the umbilical cord around her neck. And I remember that was probably another area where I prayed prayed as hard as I've ever prayed. You know, I, I, I'm still asking the hospital for the, the video because I was in this room just pacing back and forth talking to myself. And I, I appreciate that they all just let me be and let me and God work that out, you know? So I, I can remember these times of deep, deep prayer. But when I found out about Takuma and Tim, there was a paralyzing. There was um, me just sitting and just feeling helpless. And then God saying, it's okay that you're helpless. Like, feel this pain. This is hard, and it's okay because I'm with you. I'm on your side. And I think their passing allowed me to not just pray for stuff, but to truly be vulnerable with God and to be reminded that this God we serve is good. One of my favorite songs that really helped me um, during this time was a song by a guy named Jonathan McReynolds. Um, and it talks about, you know, God is good. And the line is um, simply, may your struggles keep you near the cross. May your troubles show that you need God. May your battles end the way they should. And may your bad days prove that God is good. May your whole life prove that God is good. And that song became a prayer to me as well, as I realized that it's okay that I'm struggling. God is good. It's okay that things are hard. God is good. And the last two things I want to say about prayer is that it has to be conversational. You know, a lot of times we look at prayer as like, I got to tell God stuff. I got to talk, talk, talk. Now, your best relationships are not ones where you just do all the talking. If you think that's a really good relationship and you do all the talking, I have news for you. That's not a relationship. You know, that's just you talking a lot. Prayer has to be conversational, which means that we need to not only talk to God, but we need to learn how to listen. Our best relationships are not about to-do lists. You know, I love my wife. And if every time I saw her, I just had a list of requests, I guarantee you we would not have a healthy marriage. Yet for most of us, we don't have healthy prayer lives because we look at God as this to-do list uh, or we look at it about me, 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 me. But how can you learn to listen and let God speak to you? Because prayer is also invitational. God desires union with you. God actually stoops down from heaven to listen to you. God sent his son to die for you, the spirit to live inside of you, the church, your sisters and brothers to be around you. 
Prayer is an invitation that you need to accept. And I think the beauty of prayer is that as we're vulnerable to God, as we're personal, as we're honest, as we're listening to God, as we accept this invitation, it truly grows our faith, it grows our trust, it grows our dependence, and it grows our relationship with God. So as you pray or as you read through Psalm 23 the rest of this week, I want to invite you to just remember that if we are struggling, that's okay. Let them struggles keep us near the cross of Jesus. If we are troubled, that's okay. Let your troubles show that you need God. And every battle that you're in with God on your side, it'll end the way it should. And every bad day that you have can only prove God's goodness because your whole life is going to prove God's goodness. I guess I'll close in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that when we lack, you are full. When we're broken, you are whole. When we're doubting, you are sure. Because you, Lord Jesus, you're the lover of our soul. Lord, I thank you that when we confess, you will cover. When we let go, you're still in control. We can hope in no other because you, Jesus, are the lover of our soul. So, Lord, these words of David that have lived on for thousands of years, let them be our songs to you. Let them be our prayers to you. Let them be a reminder to us to trust God who is good, to trust God who provides, to trust God who protects, to trust God who's always on our side. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.